going to look at three different passages of Scripture as we preach the third message in a series, very possibly the conclusion of it. I have something else stirring in my heart, so I might go one more or two more. The overcoming life, find in the Gospels, please, the book of John, chapter 12. We do have notes for you. I encourage you to take those and fill them in, preach them to somebody, or refresh it and go back over it after the service this morning, over this week. You can go ahead and download the, the app if you haven't done that. I know I've said that a number of times, but it's such a wonderful resource for you. Because you can listen to messages that are preached, and I don't know, you know, I've heard it said this, if you ever hear a good message, it's worth listening to at least five or six more times, even more than that, because it gets truth down into the city of your soul. You need to renew your mind. You know, wineskins are, new wineskins are made numerous different ways, really two main ways to make a new wineskin. One is you rub that thing with oil and you rework it till it gets soft so it can expand with the new wine. And the other way is just to make a brand new wineskin. Listen, you want to begin to think differently. You want to walk in victory. You want to walk the overcoming life. You need to renew your mind. Get your mind right. Come on, somebody say, get your mind right. And this is a powerful message. In fact, all of the messages that come forth from this pulpit will change your life if you'll just receive them in faith. Last weekend was awesome with Pastor Brian Gibson preaching on the church. My goodness, it was great. Men's camp. In fact, we have a men's encounter that's up and coming, so you want to take note of that. We're about a month away. Are you all there, John 12? So fill these notes in and go resource yourself and go back over it during the week. It'll really help you. John 12, then we're going to go Luke 14, then Revelation Chapter 12, John 12, verse 23. If you're all there, say amen. Are you ready? Jesus, Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Say that with me. My Father will honor the one who serves me. That's what Jesus said. Go to Luke chapter 14 now. Verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now, some of you before you're like, oh, good, because I hate those people. No, 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 that's not what he's saying. So we'll get there in a second. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. You ready? And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives until the death. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for what you're going to do in this service, what you did even in the first service. Come on, lift your voice and pray for yourself. God, speak to us individually. Speak to us corporately. Release living understanding, all that's in your heart towards us, this body of believers, and even in this region. Speak, O oh God. Send forth your word. It doesn't return void as you stand over it. And we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we've been preaching a series called The Overcoming Life. 
Because that is God's plan. That's God's intention for you is to overcome all the days of your life. No matter what comes before you, no matter what army or battle you're facing, no matter what, or what, no matter what wall is in front of you or obstacle, it is a springboard to promote you, to move you forward that you would overcome. And we looked at the main text of the book of Revelation in chapter 12. And let me just make it very simple for you theologically and say it this way. When we read Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11, it's like reading the report on Monday morning after the final Super Bowl of all time, the final and last Super Bowl that there would ever be. And you read the, the, the crippling, victorious play, or should I say plays, that they did to win the whole thing. And so what it says is, this is how they overcame him. Talking of Satan. They overcame the dragon. They overcame the ugly one. They overcame the father of lies. How? By the blood of the lamb. Now this is a review. If you don't have the blood of the lamb over you, now that's the blood of Jesus. Jesus died on a cross, rose again from the grave. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that truth, you shall be saved. As you repent, you become born again, as John 3 says. And you must be born again. It's the only way to enter into the kingdom. So if that doesn't happen, you ain't going to win nothing, Slick. You ain't going to win no battle. You ain't going to have no victory. You might think you're having it, but ultimately you'll find yourself at the end of your life in a devil's hell. But there is, a, there is a place for you. He's going ahead to make a place, make a way. Some say mansions, but it doesn't say he's making a mansion for you. But he, he's making mansions in heaven. He's made a place for you in heaven, but you must receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And we've said it so many times before, you can go to church until you, you become like a pew. That doesn't even sound good, pew. That smells. Pew. No, you must be born again. It's the only way to enter into the kingdom. That is the only way. So we're talking about how to live a victorious life. The first component is by the blood of the lamb. By the blood of the Lamb. Now, a whole series on it about the blood, why the blood, Old Testament brought it all the way into the new. It's, uh, it's got some depth to it, got some meat to it. It's all available. Again, just go to kcalaska.com and you can find it. The next message in the series was by the word of their testimony, which is fascinating. So what's fascinating about that? Because a testimony can be without words. A testimony, can you can look at somebody and the way that they live, the way that they spend their time, and you can tell what they're all about by watching them. And Augustine, it is said that Augustine said this, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. So in other words, a life lived. In fact, the, the, the gospel writers, uh, I think it's Peter, said to the wives, let your conduct to the unbelieving husband, let your conduct declare to him that there's a, there's a living God, that there's a Savior. And we talked about speech. Job says in the book of Job, decree a thing, it shall be established. There's something about your speech. In James, there's life and death and the power of the tongue. Uh, the very words I heard you say, back to the book of Numbers, says the Lord, the very words I heard you say, that I will do. What were they saying? You brought us out here to kill us, God. You, you, we want the leeks and the garlic, but you brought us out here to kill us. And he's like, that's it. That's right. Whatever you say. Come on, you can walk in victory. And I said in the first service, I'll say again, although I have no statistics to substantiate it. But my own statistics and what I've found is about 50% of your problems come because you won't shut up. 
complaining, arguing, filled with strife, constantly talking about how you're going to die, it's not going to work, you're not going to make it. You're right on all accounts. My father-in-law died at 60 years old. Now he's in heaven. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. 60. Now he said, well, I met him when he was about 50. So for 10 years, I heard him say, when I'm 60, I'm going to die. And we used to say, Jack, stop saying that. But he would not. And we constantly worked with him, constantly would rebuke him and say, don't say that. Well, when he was, he didn't, he just kept saying it. When he was 60, he was right. He died. Come on. How's your mouth? What's coming out of your mouth? So we talked about the testimony. It's, a, it's the second component of how to live the overcoming life. Number The first component is what? The blood of the lamb. The second one is by the, by the word of your testimony. Their story, their testimony of God's deliverance, God's power, God's healing has, has power to overcome darkness. Now in the third message of this series, I love the title. It's sure to get minimal hits online. Martyrdom, a key to the overcoming life. <laughs> Who's going to click that? Some hungry, thirsty, crazy person. Martyrdom. You say, what do you mean martyrdom? Martyrdom, if you can look at the definition, martyrdom originally meant it had nothing to do with cults. There's all kind of cult martyrs now, but a Christian martyr is someone who believes the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, is born again, and is uncompromising in their declaration of it, their life, and will not renounce, will not, uh, will not uh, compromise the truth of God's word. And as a result of that, that's a witness in fact, the root word of martyr is, to, is a witness. It's a Greek word, to be a witness. But it also means to die for your faith. In other words, I believe this. I'm not changing my mind. And if it means I lose my head for it, so be it. But I cannot change. I will not renounce, as Martin Luther said to his, his uh, attackers, his opposers, his accusers. I will not renounce these things because it's the word of God. And you know the story of Martin Luther. So the problem with today is that uh, we don't really have people living a martyrdom lifestyle. We'll have lots of narcissists. Narcissists. Narcissism. What is that? Narcissism, as I've taught you before, is, it comes, it's, a, it's a term that comes from Sigmund Freud, psychologist. And it was, it was originally uh, used as a, socio, as a psychological disorder. They don't consider it a psychological disorder now. You know, they're changing all the, the way that they define things, right? So they don't consider it a psychological disorder. Now they just see it as a personality defect is what they call it now. It was a, a, a personality, personality disorder. And he got that from Greek mythology and a story, a character named Narcissus. And he coined it narcissist. And so a narcissist is a, a personality defect. This is a new definition. Used uh, to exhibit excessive ego, vanity, conceit, and general love of self, self-worship. I would dare say that there are narcissists among us. And you might have married one. Come on, smile at me. Praise the Lord. Narcissism is a core problem in our culture. And, and 2 Timothy 3, Paul writes, understanding this, he says, but mark this in verse 1, mark this. There will be, listen to this, if it doesn't define today, I don't know what does. 
There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, lovers of, pardon me, Unforgiving, centers without control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, have nothing to do with such people. Paul was aware that narcissism would, would come about in these last days. I mean, we really live in a day and an hour where there's more narcissism than there's ever been before. Wait a second. Look familiar? It's all over the world. I mean, I was walking through this sacred place um, in Jerusalem, and we're taking a trip. If you'd like to go, we'd love to have you a part of it. You can find out about that at the Connect Desk. I'm walking through, I think it was, it was the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. Okay, so everybody is in this place as we're walking around this shrine, and I forget exactly where it was. I mean, we turned the corner. It's like he went back. It's like the 1400s. I mean, the way they're dressed and everything, it was just like, wow. And I look, and the guy's full-on texting. And, and, and it, when it was like, you know, taking selfies and stuff. It's a totally different culture. It's all over the world. Narcissism is being bred at an unprecedented rate. Dr. Jeffrey Satinover, in a book that is uh, worth reading, the book's called Homosexuality and the Politics of Truth. And in that book, what he does is he, is he searches out the politics behind same-sex marriage and all that's taken place to make that a, what is now known to many as a civil right. Listen, you can't help yourself that you're... I'm, I'm going to say it for a second, probably get myself in trouble. Pastor Karen has stepped out of the building, so... If you're born black, praise the Lord. Now, if somebody's prejudiced against you because you're black or yellow or white, I've had people get prejudiced against me because I was white. That's not fun. I don't like that. You can't do anything about that. They've made, they've made homosexuality, tried to make it a civil right, meaning that you're born that way. This book will help you, and there's many others if you're interested in that, to argue that point and show that actually it's not true. So he writes this. It's a fascinating statement. It's, quote, institutions of narcissists will instruct and teach other narcissistic institutions. That is absolutely what's happening in the world today. Uh, in the movie uh, Zoolander, and I've, I've got a, a little, yeah. Uh, played by Adam Stiller. Some of you might have seen this. It's ridiculous. I couldn't watch the whole thing, but, but I couldn't help but watch sections of it. And he, he's just a total narcissist and a, and a, and a fool. And a quote from the movie says this, I'm pretty sure there's a lot more to life than being really, really, really ridiculously good looking. And I planned on finding out what that is. Yeah, you're right, Zoolander. There is something more than that, and you ain't all that good looking either. Come on, somebody say amen. It's a great tragedy, really. Uh, I want to show you one other picture. Uh, this is from Chivaggio. It's an Italian painter. This master work of the master Chivaggio is, is made uh, and inspired by the mythological story 
of Narcissus. And that Narcissus is a story of a young man. Here's a young man looking at a pool. He's looking at a pool and the reflection he sees is so beautiful that he falls in love with the reflection. And it's himself. Narcissist. All right. Look at D. Because, because we're a fallen human being, because Satan's power is parasitical. How many of you know what that means? Satan's power is parasitical. That means he needs a host. The power of the devil is in his lie. And as you yield to his lie and agree with it and even speak it, you can become susceptible to being manipulated by demon power. And if narcissism, which is self-worship, which is really what Satan, Lucifer, did, I will ascend to the sides of the north. I will become like the most high. I, I, I. And at the same thought, he was cast down and thrown out of heaven. Narcissism can really open up the door to being manipulated and to being bound. So let's look at our text here. John 12, if you're all there, say, woo! John 12, verse 23. He, Jesus says he sees life as a kernel. He sees our lives as a seed. He certainly saw his life as a seed. And when he sowed it, righteous, sinless, on a cruel Roman cross, he received it up again three days later. There was resurrection power. He saw his life as a seed. And we are fruit, the firstborn among many brethren he was. That's who we are. We're born again because he gave up his life, not because he saved it. Do you understand? So death can bring forth life. Death can bring forth life. God views death differently than we do. Say that. God views death differently than we do. John 14, 25 says this, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So if you live for yourself and you are selfish, you are going to destroy your life. And you certainly won't live the overcoming life. So the components of living this overcoming life, one, the blood of the Lamb, two, the word of our testimony, and three, don't think of yourself so much. Don't serve yourself so much that you're afraid of dying or afraid of, of losing. Because if you live that way, you will not walk in victory. Mark 8, verse 35. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me, for the gospel, will save it. He goes on to talk of the benefits about following Jesus. Verse 26 of that same text. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. Wow, benefit of putting to death yourself. The benefit, one, you get Jesus to, to walk and, and, and hang out with you. Are you telling me that if I live contrary to that and I do whatever I want to, I don't have as close a fellowship with the Lord? Exactly right, that's right. And he goes on to say, and you'll be honored, my Father will honor the one who serves me. Wow! You know, it's, it's wonderful to have uh, Samuel here. Where are you, Sam? Thank you, Samuel the Wingers. He had a, 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 a returning celebration party. He had 130 days. I got that right? 130 days in Seattle with a bone marrow transplant and has re been returned here to us by the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit and the wisdom that he's given doctors and the mercy of God without the, the, the problem in his bone marrow, completely healed. Come on. And, and God's doing some other healing, and he's going to bring all that about. Yeah, come on, somebody say hallelujah. 
And they you were so gracious to invite me and my wife to come celebrate with some of your family and friends. And they put together a they put put together a gathering and some folks from a previous fellowship they were part of. And and they invited me. The only thing was, it was right during the middle of our our volunteer push at the property. And as I'm at the property, I'm thinking, man, the thing starts at one. Lord, help me. That was my prayer all morning because I knew I had to serve and, and finish up at the property, but I, I couldn't miss it. And the reason I couldn't miss it, because to miss it to me meant that I wasn't honoring the miracle that God did and what God has did through you and through that community of people. And I wanted to honor you. And I'm thinking, God, you've got to help us. But man, people turned out from all over. They came out of the woodwork left and right. We worked like one man contending for the faith and hammered the project. We were done by like 1.15. And we ate lunch. And I thought, thank you, Jesus. I jumped in my truck. I drove over there looking all nasty. And I showed up. Why would I do that? I'm not trying to blow my horn. I'm just trying to say, I want to honor you before your people and what God did. That's, a, that's an act of honor. Would you, did, was that important? To me, it was very important because to me, if I wasn't to do that, now I can't make it to every party. I, I, I try, but I really, you know, really the Lord made a way. And, and, and if he didn't, then I wouldn't have made it and you would have understood and not been all offended. You know, you'd be surprised about what people get offended at church and don't, I'm not going back. This is not, I'm not going back to that church. Yeah, I know, you narcissist. Don't go back, praise God. It's all about me. No, it's not. What about you? And so what this says is, is that there's benefits to serving Christ. There's benefits to living a life of martyrdom, which really happens every day. See, if you don't deny yourself today, what makes you think you won't deny Christ when, when the sword is put to your, your neck, if that happens? I'm going to pray it doesn't. But it's happening all over the world. Now there's benefits, his presence, but the Father will honor you. Think about that. What does that look like? What does it look like when, when our heavenly Father honors us because we denied ourselves? That's, that's more than some bald head pastor showing up at your party. That's God Almighty honoring you. I think, that's, I think there's a whole series about what that can be. Amazing. Luke 14, 26, look with me. If anyone comes to me, and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even his own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now, he's not saying that you're not supposed to love people. Listen, the Bible never, never, read my white lips, never, say it, never, never contradicts itself. And if you find a place of contradiction, it only means that you don't understand the context. It only means that you don't understand what's happening and you don't understand the entire canon of Scripture. So when somebody comes to me and says, oh, the Bible's over to contradict itself. It's the man that wrote that book. Now, that, that, that's an evidence of their ignorance and lack of learning. Now, I used to say those things years ago, but as I've studied, I'm telling you, it doesn't ever contradict itself, never. See, what this is saying isn't that, yeah, you get to hate your husband and your mother-in-law. That's not what it says. No, the man who doesn't provide for his family is worse than the unbeliever. We're supposed to love people. That's not what it's saying. What it is saying is saying that by comparison, that your devotion to Jesus, your, de your devotion to Jesus should be so white hot that by comparison, your love of others pales by comparison. 
Our devotion to Jesus must be first, the first commandment. See, or if not, your self-centered selfishness, the world, love of self will rob you from being a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And if you're robbed from being a true disciple of Jesus Christ, it's not going to go well for you. You don't live an overcoming life because you're, you're a narcissist. Listen, I know I'm probably only talking about 2% of the population, but maybe you can go and teach some people and we can help folks. Jesus made it clear in Luke 16, no one can serve two masters. He either will hate one and love the other or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and this version. NIV says money, but really it's mammon. And mammon is a demon spirit and, and cannot be attached to money. You know how you break the spirit? Listen to me. You need to get your money saved. I'm going to just take a quick rabbit trail. How do you get your money saved? You see, if, if you don't tithe, if you don't tithe, then that spirit of mammon remains on your money. If you tithe, you redeem your money. You're, you're buying it back. You're redeeming it. You cover it. If you don't learn to do that, some of you think the church trying to get something from you. You're not trying to get something from you. God's trying to get something to you. You can't love both God and, and mammon. Okay, Revelation 12, 11. Our love for Jesus must be more than love of life and self. All right, God's speaking to us very simply this morning. Very simply. How to live as a martyr. How to live the overcoming life. This part three. Blood, the blood of the lamb. Number two, word of your testimony. Number three, loving your life not so much as to shrink from death. In other words, if it means death, then bring it, but I'm not changing my mind. I live for Jesus. I'm born again. I love God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can make fun. You can throw stuff at me. You can put up Facebook posts about me. You can say whatever you stinking want to. I'm not changing my mind. He saved me. He redeemed me. He washed me. He cleansed me, and you didn't, and I'm not going to yield to your opinion. I'm going to live. You know, if you haven't taken some heat for for your walk with the Lord, you know, maybe you need to, you know, be a little bit more um, out there with your witness. We must operate in the opposite spirit of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Wow. So many times we're thinking about what do I get out of it? What does that have to do with anything? What does that have to do with anything? Nothing. What do you get out of it? Ask not what, you, what, what God can do for you. Ask could, what can you do for God. So many people are concerned about what they get out of it. And if, if they don't get anything out of it, then basically they're not interested. That's crazy. That's a crazy thing. Can you imagine if the Lord thought that way? What do, what do I get out of it? The truth is, what does he get? He gets the whole family. He redeems you. What I get out of it should not be the, the basis for why we do things. The second, the second thing is, Oh, let me, let me give you this quote. Uh, Lauren Cunningham, anybody ever heard of Lauren Cunningham? Lauren Cunningham is the founder of YWAM. And uh, he said that when you move into an area, when you move into a region, find out what the leading sin is of that area and move in an opposite spirit. And that will break demonic strongholds. So if the leading sin, what would be the leading sin of Vegas? Which is, which is greed, Right? I mean, you could call it gamma, you could call it greed, you could call it lust. How, would, how then would you operate in Vegas to break that? Through generosity and holiness. Does that make sense? A soft word turns away wrath. Talking about operating in the opposite spirit. 
The, the, the God of this age, the core of our culture, has become like narcissistic. So what is the opposite thing we could do? Serve other people. Serve. Give. Operate in the opposite spirit. That's how you're going to break that thing off of your family, off of the community, off of our, off of our region, off of our state, off of our nation. All right. Persevere. Everybody say persevere. Persevere in doing the will of God. This whole... They, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, word of their testimony, loving their lives not so much as to shrink from death. It's a picture of continuing to stand and having done all else, continue to stand. And when you're done doing that, stand some more. It's, it's you will not relent, you will not quit, you will not change. You keep keeping on, as they say, back in the old time church. You keeping on? Yes, ma'am. Then keep keeping on then. Anybody ever heard that before? You holding on? Uh-huh. Then you keep holding on then. You keep keeping on, you keep swinging the hammer, you keep declaring, you keep proclaiming, but it hasn't changed yet. You saved 20 years, that's about 30 seconds. Did you catch that? You saved for 30 seconds and you think that the whole thing should have turned around by then. Listen, God is well able to turn your situation around, to turn your circumstances around. Don't quit. Don't quit. If you quit, then you're never going to make it. Eduardo Savoso, a great revivalist, and he's in marketplace ministry now, raising up businesses all over the world to bring the gospel. You can look that up. Eduardo Servoso, tremendous minister of the gospel. He's from Argentina. I sat under his ministry for a week uh, many, many years ago. And he talked about, he talked about how to break off uh, into a region through prayer evangelism and different things. One of the illustrations he used with having a breakthrough is that you get God's word on it. You get the truth of God's word and you grab the hammer of God's word and you swing it until it comes to pass. Now that can take years. I know I like micro, you know, I like fast food too. Well, not really. I used to like fast food. I like when my wife cooks fast. Amen. You ever had to break down a concrete wall with a sledgehammer? You know, cinder blocks filled with concrete and rebar. I thought of this when I was underneath my house, cutting a hole in the foundation to bring plumbing through to an extension that we put on a couple years ago, uh, last year. And they said, listen, you cut it with a, with, a, with a concrete saw, and then you take a sledgehammer, and you just keep whacking that thing till it breaks. So I got in there. We cut it with a concrete saw. I lined my lungs with concrete. Nuisance mask didn't work. God healed me. And then... I got that, that hammer and just started swinging it. And uh, I was with our brother over here. Um, where are you? Anyway, we kept swinging. And I'm going to just tell you, it seemed to take forever. And I don't know how many shots, but it's like 15, 20, 25. At like 20-something, there's a crack. How encouraging. Some of you are like at 15, and you wonder why you don't have the breakthrough. Don't quit swinging the hammer. Eduardo Servoso talked about swinging a hammer, watching a construction worker demolishing a concrete wall. And he kept swinging, and he kept swinging, and he kept swinging, hitting the same place. And finally, after what felt like an eternity, there's a crack. And the crack got bigger, and the crack began to grow, and then boom, he came through. That's the way it is. Don't quit. Don't let up. Don't throw in the towel. I'm telling you, God is going to bring you the miracle that, that he said he would, but it sometimes takes a little while. Don't throw in the towel. Don't quit. Don't weary in well-doing. I think about Dan Morocco and how he went to the Philippines and took over a church. Dan Morocco's, Dr. Morocco's 
father, a great missionary. He took over the church in the Philippines, and there were people who tried to kill him. They tried to stab him. One time was almost successful. Walking across the front of the sanctuary in the middle of the week, and a man came up behind him and smashed him in the head with a large lock. Cracked his skull, knocked him to the ground, but the Lord spared him. And they had a prayer meeting for seven years, day and night, 24 hours a day, for seven full years. Now you think it would break before that, but it didn't. And eventually it was over, it was over property in the Philippines. And anybody that's been around the Philippines understand that there's tremendous battle over, listen, there's always a battle over land. Listen, wherever we go, we purchase land. If we're going to plant, we purchase land, we get there, we take it. There's something about having land. It is. We're just not into renting schools. We'll rent schools, and we'll look for land, and we'll buy land, and we'll build a building. Why? Because we're staying wherever God planted us into the next generation, and the generation after should the Lord tarry. That's why we're building this thing. It ain't just to let fly by night. Your kids are going to get married there. Come on, we're all going to go off to glory should the Lord tarry in his return, and that thing will be standing there declaring the glory of God. Somebody say hallelujah. A battle over this, this land for seven years. And finally, after seven years, they got a ruling and was able to overthrow. that Somebody wanted to take the church, take the property, and sell it and get very wealthy. But they lost. Why? Because they didn't quit swinging the hammer. Don't quit. Don't, don't quit. Persevere. Everybody say persevere. We've got to see things more important than ourselves there's a man by the name of Pat Tilleman. If you'd put his picture up, Pat Tilleman was a tremendous NFL player. He's about ready to sign in, uh, in 2001, 2002, about ready to sign a contract for $3.6 million. Anybody ever heard of this guy? And he, he said, no, no, I'm not signing that. I'm going into the military. He went into the military because he saw serving his country as great, at a greater cause than playing football. Never mind taking a knee. Shame on him. He gave his life because he believed that the United States of America needed his help. And he went, and, he, and he, there's a lot of controversy about how he died, but he, he gave his life. There's, listen, there's something more important than your life. There's something more important than my life. And if we live in such a way, serving like that, with, with that before us, with understanding that eternity is at risk in the way that we live, the way that we talk, the way that we pray, the way that we give, it's more than about you. It's more than about me. It's more than about any one of us, and it is about the kingdom of God and reaching the lost and, and seeing people discipled and the bondages of darkness and sickness and infirmity and the opioid crisis being broken off of people. That's what it's about. It's about the gospel. If you lose sight of that, you will not walk in the overcoming life. Don't lose sight of it. He died on April 22, 22, 2004. How many of you remember 9-11? 9-11. Let me read you this. There's a man by the name of Richard Rescorilla. He was instrumental in the evacuation of thousands of people during the 9-11 attacks. As a director of security for, at Morgan Stanley, he was a stickler for building safety. He held twice yearly evacuation drills to get all the people out. And when the attacks happened on the tower next to his, when they were hit, he put his plan into action and calmly instructed people to leave. 
right up to the moment that he was killed. And his actions resulted in the saving of what some estimate to be 2,500 people rescued because he gave his life, because he planned, because he didn't think about his own skin. He thought about the skin of others. If you're going to walk this life of overcoming and victory, it is by the blood of the Lamb, number one. Number two, by the word of your testimony, and your words are that powerful. Number three, loving your lives, not too much to shrink from death, to live for God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and do not cave in to the lies of the enemy. Our sacrifice will make a difference for time and eternity. Our sacrifice will make a difference for time and eternity. Listen, without sacrifice, nothing happens in the kingdom. Not one thing. Nothing happens without sacrifice. And as hard as it might be to get up and come to morning prayer, it has a dividend that's far beyond anything of this world. And as hard as it might be at times to, to do the right thing with the pressures of those around you, the payoff is far beyond anything you could possibly imagine. Listen, we're not here for ourselves. I'm not, I, I, I'm not here for a paycheck. I, do it, I did it before I got a paycheck, and now I do it with one. I'm thankful. I'm not, I'm not here for a job. This is not my job. I remember my father saying to me, well, son, now that you've chosen your vocation, this is 20-something years ago, now that you've chosen your vocation, um, where, where are you going to do that? I'm like, my, my what? He said, your vocation. And honestly, I mean, I know the word vocation. I know what that means. How many of you know what the word vocation means? It means, it means you're, you know, you're, where you're going to head, what you're going to do with your life. I said, what do you mean? He said, your vocation. You know, what you're going to do with your life. And I said, oh, Dad, no, no, you got it all wrong. It's not a voca vocation. He said, no, yeah, it is. You're going to be a pastor. That's going to be your job. I thought, oh, no, you, no, you, you, don't, you, you, don't, you don't get it. I said, no, no, that's actually a calling. God called me to do that. I didn't come for a robe or a ring or the accolades of man or a hand clap or a pat on the back. And I hope you didn't. If you did, it's going to be very, I mean, I like being encouraged. I, everybody likes being encouraged. We all need to encourage one another. You know, we all need a pat on the back and that a boy. Come on, bump your neighbor and say, hey, man, keep up the good work. Go ahead, tell him. Keep up the good work. Yeah, yeah, we all, we all yeah. But if you're living for that, Live, live for the one who's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Live for the one that when you enter in, enter into the joy of the Lord. Come on, live for the one who's, who's going to give you a robe and a ring. Live for it. Live for eternity. We're, we're, not, here to, we're not here to build some building or some, some little human kingdom. We're here to break off darkness off of this community and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, see people saved, see people healed, see people delivered, to see people learn to live the overcoming life. Not a life of drudgery and pain, but a life of joy, unspeakable and full of glory. To be an overcomer all of the days of your life. You can make it. You can do it. If God be for you, who can be against you? You can do it. That's why we're here, like a city on a hill. Do you have to build a big church? Yes, this one's too small. We're going to reach thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Why? Because that's why we're alive. That's why we're here. If you lose sight of that, well, that's why we sacrifice. Pastor Kirsten out there with a blown out knee, may God heal him, with a blown out knee in excruciating pain, 
trying to encourage 11-year-olds to shovel. He texted me and was like, Pastor, I'm here with 11-year-olds and we really need help. I mean, how many of you know you can just hear it through the text sometimes? Why, why would we do that? Listen, if an employer were to make you to do that, there's people that would sue the employer because you're like, you understand? How, how could you make your employees? Listen, we're working for God, man. I'm not asking him to hurt himself. He knew that if he didn't lead that thing, that there was other things going on and that we didn't have a leader from the church to be able to do it. That's why he said, well, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. Listen, there's no expansion of the kingdom. There's no breakthrough if you don't learn to sacrifice. And many people don't know how to sacrifice. If it doesn't, there's actually books written. If it doesn't come easy, it's not God. How stupid is that? That's so stupid. Now, we're here to break darkness off the city, and it does require sacrifice. Anybody ever seen the movie? And I'll close here. Minister Micah, please. The Point of the Spear. Anybody ever seen that? No, I, I, it's the Alta Indians. I think I have it right in the Amazon jungle. And it is a tremendous movie. It's got some graphic parts in it. It's riveting. It's about these missionaries that go to reach these unreached people and how they fly a bush plane and begin to make contact with them. And because of some of the wars that were happening within the tribe, they killed all the missionaries. And they killed every one of them. And it was years later that the wives of these missionary men and, and the children had such a burden for the Alta Indians in the Amazon that they went back, brought reconciliation. And the whole tribe, as I understand it, the whole tribe got saved and they had a revival and a breakout. Now, that never would have happened. Never would have happened if they weren't willing to sacrifice their own emotions and, and, and extend forgiveness by the blood of Jesus. Their, the death was not, their death of those missionaries was not God. It was definitely the devil, no doubt. But the seed that came forth, salvation for all those, all those beautiful people, unreached. What would happen? What would happen if God could touch your heart in a service like this? And to say, you know something, my life is about something bigger than my selfies. Something bigger. What about, what about if, if God could touch someone? It took 12 people to tone, turn a known world upside down because they saw the redeemed, they saw the, the salvation and the, the, the miracle resurrection of the Lord, their hero. He rose again. They saw his death. They saw his resurrection. And they said, you can kill me if you want to. The truth is the truth. We can't help. You can try to get me to shut up, but we can't help, they said to the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and Sadducees and the couldn't sees and the wouldn't sees. We can't help but testify about what we've seen and heard. You judge for yourselves. You can tell us to be quiet, but we can't. We have to. We must obey God. We must obey God. That would be the opposite of narcissism. God is raising up a group of servants. It's the key to the overcoming life. Living a life of martyrdom is every day putting your flesh down. You can stay addicted to your cigarettes and addicted to all your stuff if you want to. You'll never walk into all that God has for you. Somebody says, cigarette's going to take me to hell? I don't know. Make you smell like you've been there, though, for sure. 
I'm almost done. Let me share this. I believe it's William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. When he was dying, they didn't have, they didn't have text, they didn't have email, they didn't have any of that, but they did have telegrams. And he sent a telegram to all his key leaders all around the world and it had one word on it, just one. It's expensive to send a telegram. So he knew, what he, he knew that they would understand when he saw the one word, and the one word was others. Others. We overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony, and loving our lives, not so much as a shrink from death and the word, not being so consumed with whether you're going to get your needs met, but look to meet the needs of others. Look for others. Reach others. Put aside some of your stuff. And live a life of sacrifice. It is in, in that that you will find the blessing of God come down on you bigger than you ever could have possibly imagined. I can't help but think about my own life. I came into the kingdom, I didn't have anything. He's blessed me so big, I just can't hardly take it. You know, that's a normal thing for anybody that will just serve God. In all the years, and it's not all that long, but two decades of serving Christ and living for the Lord. Anybody that comes in and really gets it, gets saved, cuts all cords with hell, goes after Jesus, and lives this Christian life, picking up their cross daily and following him, everyone, every one of them walks into the blessing of God that's absolutely overwhelming. And you'll weep on your bed at night with your family around you. God will bless you. Or whatever God leads you to. Did you get something today? Come on. We can live the overcoming life. How? By the blood of the Lamb. By the word of our testimony and loving our lives. That's just a shrink from death. It's not about you. It's about, it's about others. It's about God. Stand up on your feet all across this place. Every head bowed. Oh, I have one more point. All you note-takers. We need to be encouraged by the Holy Spirit in order to overcome self. Well, that's for sure. It's the Holy Spirit that helps you. You ever, you ever get so touched by God, you just want to start hugging on everybody and telling them you love them? What a great service. Oh, it's, it's love. You just feel like loving on everybody. You're like, no, I've never felt that. Well, you might need to get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to live a life like this. Every head bowed, here's your opportunity. Every head bowed, every eye closed all across this place, that's you. You've never given your heart to Jesus. You want to give your heart to Jesus today or make a recommitment to Him all across this place. Those online want to give your heart to Christ, want to repent of your sin and make Him your Lord, make Him your Savior. You say, that's me, Pastor. You want to be included in this prayer, raise your hand right now. Do it right now. God bless you. Thank you. I see that hand all the way in the back. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. In this middle section, how about? This middle section's here. Want to give your life to Christ. Raise your hand high, boldly. Want to recommit to Him because you drifted in your walk. I see that hand. Thank you for your honesty. I see that hand. Thank you, ma'am. I see that hand. Sir, all the way in the back. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. All right. Here's what we're going to do. If you raised your hand, you're serious about getting right with God, or maybe you didn't, but you are definitely serious about it, I want you to step out from where you're standing. Meet me right here as soon as Minister Micah begins to sing.
says he takes it he throws as far as the east is from the west that's good news that means he remembers it no more it's the blood of Jesus just washes you why the blood because what you did what I did we deserve death so it wasn't that bad no holiness most people don't have a picture of what real holiness is okay so you ripped off a tootsie roll and that's what you did and you're convicted all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone has fallen short. But the gift of God is eternal life. The gift. So you're receiving His gift right now. And you're asking Him to forgive you for all, for the Tootsie Roll or whatever you did. All right? You ready? So we're going to pray this very simple prayer. Repeat after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place. And to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. And come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray. Fill and touch each and every one of these. Baptize them afresh. Give them power to live for you. Fill them full of your spirit even now. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. We do one more thing before you all go. This is Pastor Vince Vincent. He's responsible for all of our connect groups and all of our making sure that you get everything you need to follow Jesus. So would you follow Pastor Vince right down? We'll take three minutes of your time. Would you just allow us th just three minutes? Want to give you a gift? Want to help you grow in the things of God? And we'll bring you right back into the service. Come on, put your hands together for these. Come on. Come on. All of you, just lift your hands and ask God to help you. Ask Him. Ask the Holy Spirit to put His finger on places in your life where you're selfish. It's every single one of us. Ask God to reveal it. And he'll speak to you and he'll show you and say, it's this thing. I want you to put that up. I want you to let go of that attitude. 
Come on, just ask God to show you. How can you be a better witness? How can you live a life sanctified to the Lord, to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? What does it mean for you to pick up your cross? What does it mean? Ask Him to show you. If you love me, He says, you'll obey my word. So God, we ask that you by your spirit right now would reveal to us. Give us living understanding and revelation of what we need to change. Forgive us for our wrong thoughts and attitudes and motives where so often we've been narcissistic. Lord, would you wash us and cleanse us? And would you help us, oh God? Come on, just pray in the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit. Come on, just pray in the Spirit if you have that freedom. Just a couple minutes left and we're done this morning. I take authority over the demonic attacks that have been assigned and attached to those who've yielded to selfishness. And in the name of Jesus, we sever your hold. We break the chain. We break the fetters tonight, today by the blood of Jesus. I see people being loose, see people being free and walking in submission to you and your word. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. Lord, loose people to live this life of freedom as they obey your word. And we thank you and we praise you. I hope you got something from Jesus this morning. Would you put your hands together for the Lord? Amen. Don't miss. Don't miss the service tonight. Pastor Barry Haggerty going to be preaching. Would you keep me in prayer? I'm headed off to the Hawaiian Islands as a speaker in our prophetic conference. I need lots of prayer. If you pray, God will move. I'm confident of that. And uh, let's close in blessing. Amen? Father, thank you for what you've done. Lift up your countenance towards us, O oh God. Be gracious to us. Keep us. And give us peace. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you.